We're in a uh, series with many sub-topics within that series on rooted um, kingdom foundations for living. Um, and we are currently talking about understanding God's love for you. If you missed any of the other series, of the series, get the CDs. They're free in the back. Um, if you uh, do podcasts or online, we, we, our video, we have video and audio online and on our website and on podcasts and video podcasts. Um, just a little, little plug. I mean, we, um, we continue. We know we're, we're just a small church in a small town, but uh, this week I seen that uh, our media plays reached uh, 1,543 in 30 days, in a 30-day period. That's awesome. See, God, technology is awesome. We, we get to reach out right now. We're streaming live on Facebook. So hello, if anybody's out there watching on Facebook, we welcome you. Um, but it's awesome that techno- the, the ability with technology to reach out and do more than we could ever do in our, with, with, our, with the resources that we have. So it's awesome. But it, Psalms chapter 11, verse 3, it says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And we all know that um, the foundation of a building is the most important, the most important part. part. Um, one of the things that I thought was unique on our Wednesday nights, the Truth, Truth Project is, uh, you know, this, this um, relativism, that, that uh, this postmodern concept of truth, is tru- tr- truth isn't always truth. There is no absolute truth. Your truth might be your truth. My truth is my truth. And just as long as you, you don't bug me, I won't bug you, and we can all have our own truths. And... Um, they were discussing an architect that built a building um, to represent that. And it had st- stairways that led to nowhere, doors that you couldn't get to, all these things representing that there is no truth. And the speaker said, yes, but how about the foundation? Did you build the foundation the way it had to be built? See, there had to be truth there. there. They had to follow the guidelines of the foundation or that whole building would collapse. So foundations are important. And we've been discussing foundations of kingdom living. And we've looked at thus far, we understanding God's love for you. That's the number one thing. See, most people think that the Christian life is all about you loving God. No, it's about you understanding how much God loves you. We, are, we have no ability to love God independent from first receiving the love of God. The lo- human love is so self-centered, so self-centered. We love people because of what we can get out of them, right? And if you have no value for me, you can't do anything for me, I don't have time for you. And I'm sorry to say that a lot of Christians are that way. Why? Because they just don't know how much God loves them. If you were filled with the love of God, guess what? You couldn't help to get be all sloppy loving on, on people. And then we looked at understanding our spiritual makeup. And then we, I, I, can't, I can't preach on each one of these. Now we are on understanding how God sees you. Next, um, after Easter, we're going to be moving to understanding your identity in Christ. And then we're going to look at the understanding the nature of God. And then understanding your spiritual authority. But right now we're currently on understanding how God sees you. How God sees you. And um, we're going to be finishing up this foundation today. And we could continue going on, this fo- on these foundations. All of these. I'm spending four weeks on each foundation. But, I mean, it's endless. These foundations are endless, and foundations aren't something that you, you build and then you no longer need. 
you continue, as you grow in Christ, as you mature and grow up into Christ, the full stature of Christ, your foundation has to get stronger and it's got to get bigger, right? If you, if you add on to a building, you have to add on to its foundation. So these are things that we continually, continually learn and teach and, and build upon. Um, so far, we've seen that uh, you are a three-part being, correct? Right? You are a what? Spirit, soul, and you live in a body, right? You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. Your soul and your soul, you have things, that's where your mind is, that's where your personality is, that's where your will, that's where emotions are. That, that, that's where those, that type of stuff happens. Your body is just your flesh, your earth suit, right? And then you have the spirit, the, it, it, which is the eternal part of you, that when you become a new creation, it is transformed into the very likeness and image of God. But the problem is, is that our soul, our mind, will, and emotions hasn't been 100% transformed into the image of God. So there's this inward battle. Anybody ever experienced that? That's what we're going to talk about today. Anybody ever experienced this in, inward battle? Like, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do. We're going to read that today. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Why? It's because there's this inward battle and there's a renewing there's a renewing of the mind. If you were able to be like Jesus when he was in the body and have your mind, will, and emotions 100% in line with what, who you were within the spirit, you'd be just like Jesus. Right? And each of us are further along in that endeavor than others. Because Why? Well, it's just like some of you are more fit than me. Some of you are stronger than me. Why? Because you have exercised your body to be fit, right? To be strong. And the same thing, spiritually, the more that you exercise yourself spiritually, the more you spend time in the Word of God, renewing your mind to who you are in Christ. That's what, we're, that's what this is all about. This is trying to renew our minds to how God sees you. Because if I can get you to understand how God sees you, maybe you'll start seeing yourself that way. Right? So how, God, how, so how does God relate to us? If we, we are a spirit, soul, and live in a body, how does God relate to us? By the spirit. Right? God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Those that are in the spirit... Worshiping God in the Spirit is how God desires for us to interact with Him. For us to interact with Him. See, this should make your eye... Here's a, a chance for your mind to re, be renewed. See, religion... Religion and religious works are a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Because God sees the real you, the eternal part of you, your spirit. Your spirit apart from Christ is in darkness. It's separate from the spirit of God, and you are spiritually dead. And no amount of good works will ever jumpstart that spirit. You can't do it in your own effort. You can't do it in your own ability. So what are you saying, Chad? I'm saying, stop, quit, give up. I am. Stop trying to obtain the unattainable. You will never be good enough. You will never be righteous enough. You will never be holy enough in and of yourself by your own works, your own ability, or your own strength. That makes life a lot easier, don't it? Amen. Just give up on that garbage. See, your spirit, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's a miracle that happens. And your spirit comes to life. It's, it, 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 your old man, you exchange your old life 
for the life of Christ. That's what that death, burial, and resurrection is all about. He went down as humanity. He died for humanity. He was judged for humanity. And he was raised in newness of life. And we were in that resurrection. That it was, we were baptized into him. So when you're born again, you're made a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your spirit becomes united with the spirit of Christ, and we actually become one spirit with him. And that's what baptism is all about. See, a lot of people get water baptized because the church says you need to be water baptized. And when you get water baptized, then you become a member of the church. It's, and it becomes just this religious, religious thing that you do. And if you're not born again, you can go down a dry center and come up a wet center. If you don't understand what really took place in the Spirit, that you truly had a life-altering experience with Almighty God, where you came to your knees like Peter in the boat and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And then you find out that he's not going to leave you. He's going he's to transform you. He's going to make all things new. See, God sees you in your born-again spirit. But the question now is, is how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? See, we need to see ourselves like God sees us and live life through the spirit by the faith of Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, So I say, walk, in the, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See how simple that is? But what does the Bible mean? What does the Bible mean when it says, walk in the Spirit? What does it mean when it says walk in the Spirit? You know, some people think that it means to go to church. Some people think it means to read your Bible. Some think it means to pay your tithe. Some people think it's praying, that that's walking in the Spirit. And then some even go to even greater extremes, that if you want to be spiritual, if you want to walk in the Spirit, then don't wear makeup. You know, women have to wear dresses. You know, you can, the list can go on and on of what man-made religion has said you must do to be um, acceptable before God, to be holy, to be righteous, to, to be spiritual, to, to be in the Spirit. See, we, we are so carnally minded. We, we can be enjoying the presence of God this morning, and a baby can cry, and all of a sudden we think that offends God, and the Holy Spirit just left the building. You don't think, you don't think there were babies when Jesus was preaching? They didn't have daycare. They didn't have child's church when Jesus was preaching. It was a mess. And not only that, he had religious Pharisees that interrupt his meaning and ask him questions. And it was, I like our, the order that we have here a little bit. <laughs> See, we don't, this is a whole different thing, but. You, 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 God is with you. We, I say it jokingly, but it's true. When, when we have our intermission between worship and, and the word, and people get up and greet one another and get coffee, for some reason we think, oh, we're getting out of the spirit. No. That's the problem. We need to learn. When we're shaking someone's hand, when we're giving a hug, when we're edifying and building somebody up, speaking to them, when we're, oh, we're getting a cup of coffee, we're in the Spirit. Hmm. But walking in the Spirit, what is walking in the Spirit? Walking in the Spirit simply means living or basing your life on who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ rather than walking in the physical, natural realm. It's that simple. You are walking in the Spirit when you allow the truth of who you are in Christ Jesus to dominate the choices, decisions, 
and even your attitude and emotions in life. That's simple. Now, do you need to read your Bible and go to church to find out who you are in Christ? Yeah. Those things are good, but that's secondary. See, we do that because of who we are, not to become. You understand that? See, it does not say, Galatians is not saying here, it's not saying do good works and then you will live in the Spirit. Do you know how many people I've heard say, if, I'll start going to church when I get my life in order. I got some things I got to sort out and then I'll start going to church. No, that's completely backwards. You can't sort your life out. That's the problem. I've been there, done that. I bought the t-shirt. It's, it don't work. It's like saying, it's like saying, going into this dark room and telling someone, I want you to shovel the, all the darkness out of here so we can bring light in. Hmm. Get rid of all the darkness in your life and then God can put light in there. No, that's not how you get rid of darkness, is it? How do you get rid of darkness? You turn on the light. You allow the light to come in. And what's awesome about darkness is that it flees from light. No, there is not a darkness that can, is, is more, you can take all the darkness in the world and it can't withstand the light of a single candle. Whew. That's powerful. So what this is saying is that you are already in the Spirit. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are already in the Spirit. We're not trying to climb the religious ladder to climb up into God and get into the Spirit. Right? We don't have to have some type of locker room prep talk at church and get everybody sweating and jumping around to get in the Spirit. We're already there. We just need to Embrace it by faith. Believe it this morning. So we're already in the Spirit, and this is saying, so now that you're in the Spirit, you're already in the Spirit, now live in the Spirit. And when you live in the Spirit, then your flesh will reflect the nature of God from the inside out. You know, it's interesting Jesus, when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, it said that the glory of God, he was transfigured, and the glory of God shined from within, from the inside out. From the inside out. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is in you. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. And, and so many people are waiting for Holy Spirit to come down, but he's already put Holy Spirit in. Exactly. We got to get what's in us out. Jesus called it rivers of living water coming from your belly, your inward parts. Where is the Holy Spirit? In your spirit. It's amazing. We make things so difficult. See, there's lots of things. There's th th things that our flesh, habits that our, our flesh have latched onto. Right? I mean, and there's so many things that keep people from com coming to God. Alcoholism, smoking, gluttony, slothfulness, pornography, anger, unforgiveness, greed. Whatever the negative habit, the sin that is in your life is, do not let that keep you from being, believing that you are in the Spirit. See, most people think, I have to quit these things, and then I can walk in the Spirit, but that's not how it works. That's not right. You have to see yourself in the Spirit, and then you will change outwardly. I've said this to many, many people, and unfortunately, they've all proven me right. 
Let's just take something. Let's take something, a habit that someone tries, it's, we'll all be familiar with. It's uh, smoking. Okay? Now, smoking isn't a sin. Right? It won't send you to hell and make you smell like you've been there, but it's not, it's not, a, it's, it's not a sin. And it's, not, it, it, and it's just not, if you're addicted to smoking, then it's not good for you. And, and they say, Chad, I want to quit smoking. And I said, okay, next time you go buy a pack of cigarettes, as you buy the pack of cigarettes, say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I am free. I have been set free from nicotine. Next time, and then, then buy your pack of cigarettes. Next time you light up a cigarette, every time you light up a cigarette, say, I am free. I am free. Jesus has set me free from nicotine in the name of Jesus. Then light your cigarette, and, cigarette, cigarette up and smoke it. And I said, there's going to be two things. One or two things are going to happen. Either your faith will become sight or we'll find out what you really believe and you'll stop saying it. Right? Either you'll start believing what you're saying or you will find out that you never really believed in the first place and you'll stop saying it. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. Even if my flesh is contrary to who I am in the Spirit, I still believe who I am in the Spirit is my true nature. In Matthew 23, 27, we, we all love how Jesus got after the religious folk. It's, it's interesting that I can't, I can't find anywhere where Jesus attacked sinners. But I can see over and over again him attacking religious folk. <laughs> In Matthew 23, verse 27, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Unclean Leanness, whatever. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. See, it's an inside job. You can be religious. You can look clean. You can wear your suit. You can tie your tie just right. You can wear your Sunday best. But God sees the real you. He sees what's inside of you. You can look righteous. You can look... You can be spiritual on the outside and still smell like a rotting corpse on the inside. Many people are totally controlled by their emotions. Right? And we, we, we're told all the time, you know, you, even in church, you're not supposed to be controlled by your emotions. Yes, you are. You're supposed to be controlled by your emotions. Just not the emotions of your flesh. Do you know your spirit has emotions? Your spirit has emotions. You know what the emotions of your spirit is? I mean, this is actually what Galatians chapter 5 is, is, is talking about. In, it, it, in Galatians 5.22, it says, For the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, full, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. We See all that is past tense? If you're in Christ Jesus, you have crucified the flesh, right? And now if you are in the Spirit, why don't you live like you're in the Spirit? Whew. But the fruit of the Spirit, that's the emotions of the born-again Spirit. That's the real you. The fruit of the born-again Spirit, and it's always constant. Your spirit is always filled with love. Your spirit is always filled with joy. It's always filled with peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You have the faith of Christ in you. Gentleness, 
Self-control. You don't have self-control, you're a liar. If you're born again, you have self-control. These are constants, the constant emotions of our spirit. If you choose to walk in another emotion other than these, you have chosen to walk in the flesh. Every time you have a negative emotion and you allow it to dictate how you react and live, you are strengthening the flesh and choosing to live in the flesh. Every time you act out of who you are in Christ and you respond to that regardless of what is happening and how you feel in the flesh, you are strengthening the spirit and you're choosing to live in the spirit. See, the Bible doesn't say ignore your circumstances. It just says, here's a different way to react to your circumstances. The Bible doesn't say, you know, just deny what's happening in life. De deny how people are treating you. Deny the, the storm that's going on in your life. No, it just says, hey, this is what God is saying about this situation. This is God. See, the way that people treat you and your response to that, really shows more about who you are rather than who they are. Your actions, your actions are a reflection of how you see yourself. Your actions reveals your heart. Ouch. Kingdom living is the act of renewing your mind to who you are in the spirit and then living out that truth. But here's the good news. The good news is, is that God accepts you despite your outward actions. He accepts you because of who you are in the spirit, not because of who you are in the flesh. Now, people might not accept you. Your spouse might not accept you. Your children might not accept you. Your coworkers might not accept you. But God accepts you. Why? Because he can see the real you. See, there is a reason to walk in the spirit. There is just some people say, well, if God accepts me, if I'm a spirit in me, I can live any way I want. Yeah, but you're going to have hell on earth. Right? You're going to be a jerk. No one's going to like you. You're going to give the enemy opportunity to rob, kill, and destroy in the, in the flesh. I mean, if you're at church this morning, you're looking to get out of all that garbage, not find a way to keep doing it. But God accepts you just the way that you are. And he can do this because it is, because your spirit is as perfect as Jesus is. And it is of grace through faith, not of our goodness, our ability, our strength, but by Jesus' goodness, ability, and strength that we are who we are. Do you see why? The Christian faith is faith. It's a life of faith. The just shall live by faith. You need to believe what God says about you. See, basically, we as believers live in conflict. There's a there is a there's the reality of who you are in Christ in the spirit. And there's the reality of who you are not in Christ called the flesh. Now, which one are you going to allow to dominate your life? The Spirit of God, it so wonderfully contrasts the difference between a life of the Spirit and the life of the flesh in Romans. And Paul, the Holy Spirit just gave Paul the perfect things to say 
in the letter to the Romans. So let's look at chapter 7 of Romans, starting in verse 14. It says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So so now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Now where's the sin dwelling? He's going to tell us here in just a second. Verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. What do you mean, Chad? I thought we, were, we, we had the same spirit of Jesus. I thought we were righteous and holy in our spirit. For I know that no good thing dwells in me that is in my flesh. Your flesh, there is no good thing in your flesh. Your flesh will always lead you to the, down the wrong path. You cannot trust your flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil thing that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. What is Paul talking about here? He's contrasting the flesh and the spirit. He's saying... Even when you do evil, the real you doesn't want to do it. See, the thing of it is, is we don't understand that your flesh can be trained. Do you know that? Do you remember tying your shoelaces? Did you tie them the very first time? No. Right? Making the bunny ears. Around the tree, through the hole, whatever. You had to train your body how to tie your shoelaces. Buttoning up a shirt. Did you, did you, were you able, you know, you'd start buttoning up and you get in your fingers and then all of a sudden you get it up and it's crooked and you have to undo it and do it over again? Smoking. Let's go back to that one. I'm sorry to beat up on smoking, but you trained your body to smoke. The first time you took that drag off that cigarette, you didn't look like the Mar- Marlboro Man. You were hacking and coughing and, <laughs> oh, this is good. <clears throat> you didn't look like the Marlboro Man. But now, you've trained your body to want it. And now you can make a cigarette look good. You can make it look tasty. You look like the Marlboro Man. And now you train your body that this is now how we do things. And then you take it away from your body and your body says, no, this isn't right. See, do you, do you understand that? Your flesh is just a puppet of who you are in the inside. It does whatever is in your heart. You can train your flesh to do all types of things. And you can train your flesh to obey the things of God. 21. I find then a principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good, for I joyfully concur that the law of God, with the law of God in my inner man, So where's that inner man? The spirit. But I see a different law in my members of my body. That's the flesh. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. See, we think that sin, we think that sin is freedom. No, sin is trying to make you a prisoner. Sin is trying to make you a prisoner. It's trying to get your body to build habits, strongholds, ways of thinking. To be, I mean, even unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is such a stronghold. And it's a work of the devil. 
people in unforgiveness, it's actually you that are the ones that in, are in prison. Because you allow someone else to ruin your day. You allow someone, someone to ruin your church service. You allow someone to ruin your life. There are people that have unforgiveness towards people that are dead and gone, and they're still running your life. Now do we feel like this? this? Wretch of a man that I am. Who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself, myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. You know, the, the New American Standard Bible, um, when you look in that, it actually has a title before this chapter, and it's, the title is The Conflict of the Two Natures. The thing is, you can't stop at chapter 7. So many people stop at chapter 7, or, or religious people, folks, like to use chapter 7 to build this idea that, well, in this world, brother, we're just going to, we'll, we'll, we'll never be strong enough, we'll never be good enough, we'll never, always have issues, we'll always have problems. It, it, you know, it's just, it's just by the grace of God that any of us get to heaven in the first place, which... Grace of God isn't just for going to heaven. Grace of God is to live in. See, chapter 7 is connected to chapter 8. Now, chapter 7 is describing a person who is living in the flesh. And you can be a Christian and still be living in the flesh. No matter how hard you try to be good in the flesh, you will never find success. Religion uses these scriptures to excuse not living a victorious life. There is nothing good in your flesh. I don't care if you think that you're a prime cut of flesh. Yeah, prime. You ever go to the steakhouse? Oh, this is a prime cut of meat, right? That's what a lot of religion people, religious people say, say. They think about themselves. Oh, I... I have grade A flesh. I don't care what grade your flesh is. It's still rotting meat. Your flesh is incapable of pleasing God. Your flesh is corrupt, and you can't trust it to lead you in the ways of God. And on the other hand, your spirit has been made perfect by the work of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and is always leading you into the perfect will of God. In chapter 7, the word spirit is only used once in that whole entire chapter, and it's not actually talking about your makeup, your anatomy. It's actually talking about a way of thinking, you know, the spirit of an idea or something like that. In chapter 7, the word is only used one time. In chapter 8, it's used 21 times. Romans chapter 7 is defeat, where Romans chapter 8 is victory. Thank goodness. Anybody give me five more minutes? Hands? 5, 10, 15, 20? In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit on the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death 
but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, mind is, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You cannot please God with your flesh. We could go on and on. This is so good. You should go home and you should read both chapter 7 and chapter 8 and contrast the two. See, religion is all about cleaning up the outward man. Wear this, don't wear that. Eat this, don't eat that. Look like this, not like that. Don't drink, don't touch. The list goes on and on and on. They sell the lie. If you do all these things, God will accept you and you will be in the Spirit. This is not what the New Testament teaches. True Christianity says this is who you are in Christ. Now live like who you are in the Spirit. We don't do things to get something or to obtain a place in God, but we do things because we are already one spirit with him, and that's who we are. See, it's all about your identity. You do exactly, you act exactly how you see yourself. There is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. What this is saying is that there is still condemnation. Now let me explain that. There is condemnation to those that walk in the flesh, but it's not God who's doing the condemning. God's not condemning you. If you live according to the flesh, sin will condemn you. The wages of sin is death, and although it can't affect you spiritually, it will bring condemnation to your flesh, right? If you commit adultery, guess what? Your wife's going to condemn you. You steal, you steal something. The, the police are going to condemn you. You act ugly and are mean all the time. Your friends, people around you are going to condemn you and want nothing to do with you. There is condemnation when you walk in the flesh. But the condemnation doesn't come from God. But if you walk according to the Spirit, there is no condemnation. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Jesus has set us free from the law that, that when we, he set us free from the law that when we do bad, we get bad instead of blessing. That's what the law was. Do good, get good, do bad, get beat. And Jesus has set us free from that. Jesus has set us free from the wrath of God. His rejection, his punishment of sin. We, we, once, we were once in sin, but now we are one with Jesus now. But there is still rejection. Again, mankind will reject you. Right? People will reject you. This world will reject you. But it's not God who's rejecting or condemning you. Right? You go out and live a, a promiscuous life and you get a sexual transmitted disease, God didn't do that to you. Sin. Sin did it to you. He's still accepting you. He's still loving you. And to tell you the truth, he'll heal you. We are free. Christ has set us free. For what the law could not do, that it was weak in the flesh, God did by sending his own own son in the likeness of sin of the flesh on the account of sin. He condemns sin in the flesh. We're coming up on Easter. That is what this is all about. Jesus came to destroy sin and to give you an exchanged life. See, a lot of people think that, that Jesus came to give you a second chance. No, he didn't come to give you a second chance. He came to kill you and then give you a new life. See, you, you can take a corpse and you can put makeup on it, you can put perfume on it, you can do all these things, but it's still dead. Right? Jesus didn't come to put makeup on you. You know, it's kind of like a stream home makeover. You know what I loved about that show is that it was no makeover. They totally demolished the house and built a new one. And that's what God did in your spirit. Jesus took your condemnation. 
He who knew no sin was made sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. God is righteous and the requirement of the law needed to be paid. See, that's what people don't understand. We talk about love, we talk, and God is love. We talk about grace, we talk about mercy, and God is all those things. But he's also pure, perfect, and just. And if you're perfect and just, and you will never, you cannot break the law. You cannot turn from it. That's the problem with the law. The law is hard. The law is heartless. The law doesn't care who you are. It just cares what you did. Did you keep it or did you break it? And we've all broken it. I mean, the greatest commandment, love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We break it every day. Can you truly tell me that you love God with all your heart every second of the day? Every choice you make, is it because you love God? We break it constantly. And God knew we couldn't keep the law. And the law was actually meant to point us to Jesus, that, that, that we need a Savior. And Jesus became that Savior. God is righteous, and the requirement of the law needed to be paid. But instead of humanity paying this with, with their lives, Jesus made the payment. And it is applied to everyone who will receive him by faith. Do you know that your spirit is just as righteous, just as holy right now as if you had never, ever sinned? Whew. I can feel people getting lighter. That, that's good news. They should call that the gospel. Mm. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who, set their, who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. This is important. Pay attention. Do you want to know if you are in the Spirit this morning? Do you want to know if you're in, you're in the Spirit when you're at work? Do you want to know if you're in the Spirit when you're talking um, seriously with your spouse? What's your mind on? Do you think about the flesh and carnal things or spiritual things? Are you interpreting who you are and what's going to happen in your life based on natural circumstances? Do you think about or do you think about your right standing with God and how much he loves you? Or do you think about man? I've really blown it this time. God, how could God love me? Do you know in the midst of sin is the most important time to believe that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Because sin will cause you to go hide in the bushes from God. We don't run from God when we sin. We run to God. What's your mind stayed on? See, your mind is like your spiritual pulse. Right? How, how do you, how, what do you use pulse for, a pulse for? To see if someone's alive. Right? Your mind is like your spiritual pulse. You can find out if you are alive or not by taking your pulse. You can find out if you're in the flesh or not by doing an inventory of what your mind is being stayed on. If you are after the flesh, you'll be thinking according to the flesh. If you're after the spirit, you'll be controlled by the word of God and what the word of God says about you. No Christian is 100% in the flesh. 
And no Christian is 100% in the Spirit if they're here on earth. So don't, so I need you, you need to understand that. None of us are perfect. And we still, and we've still had this inner conflict between the Spirit and the flesh. But each of us should be further along today than we were yesterday. Almost all, again, almost all of the issues we have in life goes back to allowing your flesh to dictate how you will choose to live. It's not God. Almost all of your trouble could be avoided. All trouble in life could be avoided. Almost all trouble in life can be avoided. Some of it comes from other people, but most of our trouble comes from us. <laughs> Almost all trouble could be avoided if we learn to walk in the Spirit. So why is God asking us to do this? Is he asking us to do it because he's hard and mean and wants and, and, and it's demanding? No, it's because he wants you to have the best life possible. He, he doesn't want you to have all these troubles in life. He doesn't want you to have all these issues. It was never his plan. We messed it all up. This is this is love letter. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is not always sin. Do you know that? But all sin is carnal. See, to be carnally minded means to be controlled by your five senses. You're dominated by what you see, taste, smell, hear, and feel. If you are 100% carnally minded in any area of your life, it will always lead to death. It'll lead to death. But whenever you are spiritually minded, word of God minded, that will be life and peace unto you. See, I don't have to be with a gardener when he plants his garden to know what he planted. I just have to be there when it comes up. Right? If you planted corn, guess what? Corn's going to come up. If you planted watermelons, watermelons going to pl- come up. If you, if you planted beans, beans are going to come up. Right? If you planted donuts, well, donuts won't come up. But, but likewise, I can tell what your mind is stayed on by your attitude and your actions. If you're depressed, mean, angry, envious, full of unbelief, Unforgiveness, defeat, hopelessness. If you have a victim mentality, there is no way, no matter how much you tell me, there's no way that your mind has been on the Word of God and who you are in Christ Jesus. You are carnally minded. And carnally minded is death. You will not be able to live there is no way that you will be able to live in defeat if you are spiritually minded. And this is a process. This doesn't happen overnight, right? It's called renewing your mind. It's a process. And like we said, you don't, you don't try to do this all on your own and then come to God. You allow him. It's a supernatural thing that happens. It takes place. It's the washing of the water by the word. It, 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 it just transforms us. It transforms us. Right thinking. Right thinking always leads to right living. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. See, there's a difference between the fle- in the flesh and after the flesh. And we can't, I'm going to just teach this real quick. And there's a difference between in the spirit and after the spirit. See, Christians cannot be in the flesh. If you're born again, you cannot be in the flesh. That's a lost person. They are in the flesh. But a Christian can choose to live after the flesh. You understand that? A lost person can't be in the spirit. 
Only a believer, only someone that's been born again and put the Spirit of God within them can be in the Spirit. But a lost person can live after the Spirit. They can do the outward actions that look spiritual, right? You can be born again and walk in the flesh. You might, you might be a religious person. That's not born again, and you might walk in the Spirit. You're trying to discipline yourself and have a form of godliness, trying to be a good person, but that will never get you into the Spirit. You must be born again. You you have to be born. You have to be born in the Spirit of God. You have to be born in the family of God. The only way that you can, in the flesh, can be a member of my family is I would have to birth you. Right? You must be born again. I, I wouldn't birth you. My wife would birth you, but. <laughs> you must be born again to be in the Spirit. And then, after you're born again in the Spirit, you must act like it. You ever hear someone say, hey, that's not. You might think you can act that way, but minklers don't act that way. Why? Because, because that's not who you are. That's not your identity. That's not what you were born to be. See, I, I act like a man because I was born a man. Right? And we can act like Jesus because we were born we, into God, into the Spirit of God. See, that's your identity. That's how you need to, that's how God sees you. God calls you children of God. You are children. You are his offspring. That's how God sees you. When are you going to start seeing yourself that way? When are you going to start seeing yourself that way? But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his if you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, then you are not in the Spirit but the flesh. If you do have the Spirit of Christ in you, then you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. That is your position. That's what you were born into. And there's nothing you can do to change it. You're a child of God. You know, the one of the reasons I think that God's going to wipe all the tears from our eyes when we get to heaven is because we're going to realize who we were all the time and we didn't realize it. That is who you are. That's how God sees you. Now, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a new creation? Do you see yourself in the spirit? Do you see your, do you see your, or do you see yourself in the old self that only had its sins forgiven until the next time I mess up? That you're just an old sinner saved by grace. See, I once was a sinner, but I got saved by grace, and now I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm a child of the king. I'm righteous. I'm holy. I have the Spirit of God living within me. And everyone that made Jesus Christ the Lord of life, the same is true about you. All right, Alicia, you can come on now. The Christian life, you've got to get this in your, in your heads. The Christian life is not a changed life. It's an exchanged life. You had to be willing to give up your life, to die to self, to take on the life of Christ. And simply by saying, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you w went to the grave and, and you were judged for the sin of humanity. It doesn't have to be like this, but you get the drift. And I believe that you rose from the dead. And because you rose from the dead as King of kings and Lord of lords, conquering over sin, death, and the grave, I now have hope in you that I too can be a new creation. I can be made new. And Holy Spirit, come into, my, come into me. Make me a new creation. Make, me, make all things new. Fill me with the Spirit of God. And teach me how to walk in the spirit and newness of life. Amen. It's, it, it's just that simple. It's that simple.
and something miraculous will happen in your life. Well, we're gonna... You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.